We say the age of miracles is over. God simply doesn't perform them anymore. Or we say that God never performed them in the first place. Sometimes we explain away how these things can happen and we call biblical people ignorant and superstitious. I assure you miracles still happen every day. For instance, four and a half hours ago, I still had no idea what this sermon was going to be about. (laughs) I'd done all my studying, compiled all my notes, still had no clue. Miracles still happen, but maybe they're not the kind of miracles that we want. Maybe they don't happen when and where and for whom we want. Or simply our attention is caught up elsewhere by something entertaining or distracting or infuriating. Maybe the problem is that we don't just see them. Maybe the problem is that we refuse to participate in them. Doris did a lovely job this morning talking about the community formed by this herd of elephants and the way that they truly looked after each other, even the one that by all rights should have been left behind a long time ago and died. Community. The Bible is all about it. Particularly our stories from this morning. Elisha, this great prophet, He was always in community. He was always with somebody. He was always in the company of the prophets, always in the company of the people. Now I think we have somewhat lost some important parts of the definition of community. We tend to think of it as a neighborhood or maybe even a group of neighborhoods where everyone has their own place, their own house, their own job, their own car, etc. When we see each other in the street, we might nod our heads or wave or maybe say hello. Occasionally, there's someone in our community we actually would block a grocery store aisle for. But generally speaking, when we think of community, we think of a group of people where everybody takes care of themselves, looks after themselves, is in it for themselves. We might bring a meal by when somebody is ill, but really, their problems are their own. I've got my own problems, thank you. But that's not true community. Look at Elisha. Look at Jesus. Each of them could have kept the meager offerings of bread and fish to themselves. They could have made sure that they had full bellies and maybe their immediate followers could eat. Most of us would have done that. They didn't have to share, especially given that these two men were relatively powerful and privileged when taken into context of who they were keeping company with. But Jesus and Elisha both saw the crowd, and not just the crowd, but their need. They didn't shrink from it or avert their eyes. They embraced it. Today we tend to treat need as a criminal offense 
and those who are in need as parasites. Just listen to the way, particularly, our more conservative lawmakers talk about those who are in need of social programs. If you become disabled, for instance, you can apply for for disability insurance twice, more likely three times before you're actually awarded disability. All that paperwork, and it's better if you have a lawyer do that paperwork for you, so all the money that goes to that lawyer to do the paperwork so that you can get the, the disability. If you slip into poverty for one reason or another, even if it's not your fault, you're expected to stay there. It's not the nation's fault you got laid off or got sick or had to care for a sick relative or had a fire or made a financial mistake. And the minute you get a part-time minimum wage job, any assistance you do get is taken away. This is a true story. I know people that this happens to them. You and your children are hungry? Well, SNAP and free lunches are wasteful parasitic programs. You got old and retired? Well, that's too bad. We can't afford to give you back the money that we took from you for this very purpose. And we can't supplement it without taking any money away from important things like our vast military industrial complex. Perhaps you ran in with the law got a citation that you couldn't pay for. And if you don't have money to pay bail, you're going to sit there until you do have the money, even though technically you need to not be in jail to make the money to be able to pay the bail. This is how we treat people in need in our country. So maybe the reason miracles don't happen anymore is not just that we refuse to participate them, but maybe we are actively obstructing them. Wouldn't it be a miracle if we recognized the human tragedy of poverty and instead of criminalizing it, we alleviated it? We have so much more than just five loaves and two fishes, and yet we still claim that we don't have enough. We have the the power to eliminate government assistance programs, not because we're turning our backs on the crowd, but because we're rendering them unnecessary. What a miracle it would be if food stamps and free lunches and Medicaid were completely irrelevant because they were unnecessary. That's a miracle. Now, we don't have to be Elijah or even Jesus to make miracles like that happen. We do have power. We recognize that there is a world that goes beyond reason, where compassion is more important than what makes sense. That herd of elephants, the sensible thing would have been for them to leave that disabled little elephant behind. She was slowing them down. She was taking the foraging efforts of another elephant to feed her because she couldn't feed herself. It makes sense to let her fend for herself. Fortunately, elephants are smarter than we are. We, as Christians, and particularly in this congregation, 
we have a sense of community that involves service to one another, but also beyond our walls to the community. I've seen it in you. The way you contribute to the ministries of this congregation that reach out to those in need, the way you go out and volunteer your time and your talents. Several of you are members of civic groups that emphasize service. We have power because we know that God is powerful and that the Holy Spirit, if we but let it, can work more in us than we could do alone. But we also have civic power. Civics is the political dimension of how we live in community. It's how we exercise our rights in ways that benefit all. Too often we use power, use that power just to ensure that we ourselves will benefit. Who's going to look after my interests? We're seeing that in today's political landscape. People are so worried about what's going to happen to them that they don't care what happens to the community. And in the process, they're shooting themselves in the foot by compromising the very integrity of community for their own special interests. We can use our power to end the kind of need that brought Jesus to harness that divine power. We can do that. We can choose our leaders and legislators who see not the crowd, but the need, and see even beyond the need to the people with their faces and names and stories that make up so much more than want. We can ensure that our leaders see that eliminating need is the way we create a healthy society. And those who have the courage to get our house in order before we ever think about investing in destructive power. Want to see a miracle? That's going to take putting a stop to enabling those who would prevent miracles from happening. It's going to take harnessing your own power to make a difference. It is going to take setting aside our own special interests, not worrying so much about our own rights and privileges, but fighting for the rights and privileges of others. It's going to take engaging poverty on an institutional level. What we do here in this congregation is important. The way we feed hungry families the way we help people with their utility bills, the way we offer hospitality to those whose loved ones are imprisoned. But it's a much bigger problem, and we do have the power to address it. It absolutely involves risk. But after all, God calls us to risk everything for the gospel that proclaims good news to the poor. God stands ready to perform a miracle. God's just waiting for us to do Philip's and Andrew's brainstorming, 
waiting for us to bring the five loaves and two fishes, waiting for us to pay attention and see the wonder of what is possible even when it seems impossible. God is waiting to perform that miracle for the health of our community, our society, our nation, our world, and for God's own glory. This day and always. Amen. Let us now stand together and sing hymn 326, Spirit of God, descend upon my heart. <laughs> 